Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today, again, is Barbara Newman Mannix. She founded a Dignified Life LLC as a unique company that advocates for families in the elder care and end of life arenas. Their mission is to alleviate the burdens of navigating this maze with a wide range of support services, the medical, legal, and social services, all under one roof. The company guides individuals and families through a plethora of crises and problems, evaluates all of their options, and determines the optimal solutions. From home health care assistance, assessing lifestyle changes to legal planning and downsizing, they help to diffuse emotional gridlock and address all issues with which families struggle. Welcome, Barbara. It's a pleasure to have you back to this podcast-only episode of Divorce Dialogues. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be back. And as we were just talking before we went on the air, flattered that I was in the double digits of, of your sessions, and now you're in the triple digits. So congratulations for that. It's a great show. Thank um, you. Today I was going to start by drawing an analogy between the separation that divorced parents and children and who has custody and how you see your children and, and the difficulty in that frustration and also in some sort of a residence, be it an independent assisted living, memory care, nursing home, that you cannot see your folks at this point in time. We have a number of clients that are in that situation and healthy, thank goodness, we also have a number of clients that are in that situation and are not. So I'm happy to say that, unbelievably, we had one co-patient who has completely recovered asymptomatic. It's unbelievable. So, But I thought today would be appropriate to go over a few tips and, and a few insights into how we deal with our elders when they're living with us and we're used to having home care and going to work every day, and then contrasted by when we go to see our folks in those types of residences, and we cannot see them now. Yeah, I think I mean it's, it's difficult because people are, have elderly parents living with them, where they're used to getting assistance. I'm saying like it's like it's like having a, a child. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but you have a dependent, and and that person needs help, and you're used to getting some assistance with that. And in other situations where people are living, you know, separated and, and there's a kind of a cutting off, really, right, of the ability to visit and maintain some kind of normalcy, both for the, for the adult child and for the elderly parent. Right. So acknowledging that with childcare, and I think we've talked about this off the air, I hear parents talking about, neighbors talking about how difficult it is working from home and homeschooling. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about how difficult it is working and having their parent in the home, even after all these years of of talking about elder care will be in business for 13 years in August. It still is not that spotlight on the radar. So some of the specifics, you know, we can go through if, if you'd like to do that. 
Yeah, I think that would be terrific. So where would you like to start? So just in, in talking about routine, seniors, as with children, are very routine-dependent and structure-dependent. We're also trying to structure our day because we also have this routine and structure depending upon whether we commute or we telecommute and, and setting up our work environments. I sort of suggest that we set up the same type of stations, as it were, for our seniors. So if you need a block of time and you're going to set up your senior in their workspace or their enjoyment entertainment space, if they're watching a show or if they're having a certain activity, for example, that if they're watching the show, you make certain that the volume is adjusted properly, the remote is close by. So Robert, you were talking about setting your senior up for success and there were some tips you had for helping that person make it through the day and the periods of time in which the caregiver needs to work. And what are those tips? So uh, just as you're setting up your own workspace, you want to create an entertainment space for your senior into consideration how much of a time block you might need. So for example, if they're going to watch a show or listen to a radio station or even using a tablet, you want the volume to be adjusted properly. Uh, if it is a show, is that remote close by? And do they need a snack or a drink? So Barbara, one thing that you said was that it's important that they have their own space where they're set up with a snack and the show that they like and the remote control. And I think you were starting to talk a little bit about making sure that the volume was correct if you have a senior who has even a little bit of dementia. Is that right? Yes, so that they know how to use that remote. And also, you know, again, dependent upon whether they're incontinent, you might want to plan bathroom breaks. And most importantly, if they are, if they do have cognitive disability or if they do have physical disability, what's the viewing time? You might want to set a timer because we get involved in our work. You're seeing your safe for 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And also, since we are now so technologically connected, you can have a video camera, you can have a baby camera with a video in the room with a senior and then in your office as well so that you create a sense of safety and security. You want the time to be productive for both of you is really what it comes down to. The other thing in terms of being home without help is that in maintaining the success, you want to create some boundaries and some expectations. So you're explaining to your senior that even though you're working from home, and please employ patience because this is an advent of, of our world that may not necessarily have existed at the time that they were working, that there's no difference in the quality of your work. You're working from home. That you reinforce that even though you're video chatting or you're using earphones, that that is probably more of a time when you should not be interrupted. That a phone is a work tool. It's not a tool of familiarity because they equate working, you know, speaking on the phone with a delight. And even though you might love your work, it's really a tool for your work right now. Legitimize that their curiosity is great but you'll speak to them about your day just the same way as you would even if you weren't home. So at the dinner table, taking a break, if you can be outside, taking a walk. What you're saying is it's being able to maintain clear boundaries, not just for them, but also for yourself, is really helpful in, in, in order to be able to manage their expectations and keep things as 
not unconfusing and, and continuous as possible in terms of their routine and being able to make a transition so it's really clear to them what they're doing when and what you're doing when. It just makes it less confusing and more set up for success. Is that right? That's exactly right. And I'll talk about stress at the end of our conversation, but all of these are stressors. I mean, any change in routine, be it for your senior or for yourself, is a stressor. You know, you know for yourself, if you're going to a different court, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I don't know where I'm going to park. I have to leave extra time. And and I think building in all of these mechanisms in these new environments is valuable. Yeah. And, and I also think that also being able to share your day with them and maintain some kind of social life with them, some sort of social relatability, even though it might seem like, oh, my gosh, I've been with this person all day long. That doesn't mean that they have felt engaged in your in your life. And so being able to share some of that in, in a way that you might when you come up from work, when there is a real clear distinction between work life and home life is also important. Right. And I think that's a good point and a good takeaway for people who telecommute and did telecommute before this uh, circumstance became a part of our, our mandatory lives right now. You know, that confusion. I do want to stress safety in all of these environments because even in the separation, there is a sense of urgency. So if your senior is in another room and they are a fall risk, that they understand that the brakes are on in the wheelchair, if they're able to understand that a bell, uh, if they're able to use the bell, something as simple as a bell, we forget about the beauty of being able to call someone and get attention in an effective way without being intrusive. And again, you know, it's a terrible challenge and game changer when there is dementia. But hopefully you have another person in your family that's able to lend a second ear. But if not, really creating some sort of distance but still being able to see that person. It's a challenge. But I think even a bigger challenge if we can transition into talking about when your loved one is now separated from you and they're in an environment, be it assisted living, nursing homes, where you cannot see them because now you are no longer in control of the conversation and the communication path. So in that regard, you know, hopefully before the crisis, you had a good system of communication and feedback with the staff at your parents' residence. And most important, that your communication expectations be adjusted. There is such a sense of fear. You know, we're living in a very scary world right now, and even in the control that we have with our own home, if we don't have accessibility to our loved ones, no news now, right now, is not necessarily good news. So adjusting your communication expectations. So if your uh, loved one does share a room, which in nursing homes is very prevalent, do you have that phone number of that person? And can you use their family as sort of a tag team? So you're getting a double bang for your buck when their family is speaking to their loved one and you're speaking to yours, that then you can share information. 
No, Barbara, um, manage. That's that's a fantastic idea. That I would never have thought of that. That where you, you can actually double your level of communication if you're in connection with your family member's roommate because they would have been able to report on each other and, and get some extra contact. And, you know, before we go on, I just want to remind people that this is a special podcast only episode of Divorce Dialogue, focusing on managing family issues in the coronavirus era. We hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast for similar episodes in the coming weeks and feel free to share this one. I'm talking today with Robin Newman-Mannix about managing elder care in the coronavirus era and, and how to set that up for success. So Barbara, what was the, another idea that you had for dealing with someone living in a, in a home of some kind? Well, I think through this entire crisis, no matter what it be, even food shopping, that is, you know, quality over quantity, you know, in, in terms of knowing the players. So if you know a multiple layer of players, not just the management, but also the aid. Sometimes people are more comfortable communicating with executive director or director of nursing. Well, they have probably 120 people on their radar right now. An aid has a ratio of probably six to eight people. Uh, reinforcing that aid, I'm suggesting to family members to send things through Amazon. Right now, you can have things delivered that can be shared with everyone. I mean, we're being so careful about consumption, but even flowers or things that are not necessarily edible, you know, games. I know it's hard for people, people you know, in some residences, people are actually quarantined in their rooms. You cannot leave your room. But if you can, a picture that's just been framed, a new poster to lean on your wall until it can be hung, something to enhance your environment, but also acknowledging around us that people are working so hard and something that can bring aggrandizement to them. So I'm suggesting nudges as opposed to nags. So if you know you send a letter or a card to your loved one, acknowledging, say hello to Mary. I know she's been taking special care of you. This is a time for humanism and in being humanistic and empathetic. So, it's so um, much compassion, I, really... I think, for the caregivers. I, I think that's what you're talking about. Instead of being annoyed with them because they're the messenger or they're the, it seems like they're stopping you from being in contact when really they're just following the governor's orders to try to keep everybody as safe as possible, I think what nudges, I think what you're saying is treat them with respect and, and kindness and compassion for the situation and how they're trying to manage it. And that's probably going to get you a lot better result than just angry nagging. Is that right? Right. I say generally confrontation is never a good tool, but, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's probably good that. advice. <laughs> <laughs> you're keeping your fingers crossed, of course, that your parents continue to stay healthy, even in a community environment. And, you know, make your touch points not all business. So have some fun. I have been speaking with my own family and we've been conjuring old memories and, you know, trying to be a little creative. So I got into a conversation with someone in my family about getting a new car. You know, leases did not exist in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And so when you got a new car, it was a big deal in your family. My family happened to have gotten our car on a very unusual day, which was the day that President Kennedy was assassinated. So the fact that we got a new car really didn't mean much to us, but 
my brother and I spent probably 20 minutes talking about the details of that day. You know, a sweet 16, what it was like buying your first, you know, prom dress, whatever those creative memories are, those rarity moments might really provide joy. The holidays are upon us. This is going to be a very unusual Easter for people. It's already been an unusual starting of Passover. People love talking about food, creating, um, you know, times where you were meaning to get the recipe for this cheesecake or this, you know, brisket or whatever your family favorite was. Family favorites, we seem to feel very, you know, seated to remembering our children's favorites, but we also want to remember what our parents' favorites are. So, you know, again, creating levity. The seniors love attention just as we all do. You can conference on your smartphone. You can bring another family member, you know, somebody who's in a different time zone that your senior doesn't necessarily remember to plug into. If you have a savvy tech senior, I don't know if you're familiar with Game Pigeon. It's a download on your app store. I know many seniors who use this or love to receive a game. You can initiate a game. Without calling them, it shows that they're top of mind. You can play tic-tac-toe. You can play hangman. You can play even battleship. And it's literally just a game that's set up to sync with your text, and it sends a text to your senior. Listening to the same book, reading the same book, if there's a family poem that has always resonated, um, you don't have to take up a lot of time, but just to maybe frequency with calling as opposed to staying on the phone for a long time, maybe calling and singing a show tune. I assure you, I'm, nobody I'm, wants me to sing a show tune to them <laughs> at, at any time. And I do, and I do want to make sure that people understand that they're listening to a special podcast episode of Divorce Dialogues, and we're focusing on managing family issues, including divorce, but also other family issues in the coronavirus era. And, and Barbara Newman Mannix, I want to make sure that you give people the opportunity to get in touch with you at a dignified life. How can they find you and learn more? Well, our website is www.adignifiedlife.com. Our phone number, and I feel that it's very important right now that people feel a sense of connection. I encourage anyone that would like to, to please call me at 914-475-7225. I think that these are good life lessons that we are always reminded of in self-care, but setting a good example of how we are managing our own stress be it at home or remotely. Managing that stress through the simple and very valuable tools of sleeping well, eating well, limiting consumption of negative news and sharing that as your touch point. I know that that's a very difficult thing to control right now. Simply drinking water. Drinking water oxygenates the blood, it resurges energy. I know that we say with many of our clients at this point in time, when I speak to them on the phone, I'm drinking a glass of water right now. Would you like to join me? You know, we're getting together for cocktails, but I think with our seniors, they're getting together for drinks, being water, simply water is a wonderful thing. And just trying to get some fresh air, even if it's opening a window. We don't all have access to outdoor space right now, especially if a senior is in a residence. But certainly, it's springtime. There are blooms out. The birds are singing. 
and just to really embrace those simple moments at this point in time and sharing those simple moments, I think will help a lot. So we all know that better days are coming. Embrace those thoughts and again, share them. And I appreciate you sharing this time with me. Thank you, Barbara. You know, before we end, I just want to ask you a little bit of a question about what your thoughts are about estate planning in this moment. It seems like some people feel like, wow, you know what? I really haven't gotten my estate in, in order. And maybe some seniors are feeling that way. And I'm talking about people, obviously, who are not dealing with dementia, but who are capable, competent to, to do an estate plan, but also for younger people to think about who's going to be there in the event that they're not able to be there. What do you think about that? Is this a good time to be thinking about that if people haven't done it already? Yes, it's a wonderful time. Just as we're doing a podcast, there are many webinars that are on the internet right now through law firms in Westchester who are addressing that exact subject. Uh, There are guides. And also there are New York State forms there are Connecticut and New Jersey forms, but specifically New York State forms that can be downloaded, which are as simple as a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney. Those two forms, and I'm sure you know you being an attorney, have proximity to those as well. But those are so valuable in just that simple definition of a person knowing that if, if something unexpected takes place that they have tools available to them. We are a research society, and those research tools are readily available to us. Yeah, I think that's really important for people to understand. If they were, God forbid, to get sick and be really sick with this virus, that they need people to be able to make decisions for them with regard to their money and also to be able to talk to doctors in a way that would allow them to be treated in the way they want to be treated. And I think it's really important for people to know that that, uh, and it's really important, especially when you're dealing with an elderly person or you have children, to really think that through. Right. Well, this is not a one-size-fits-all time, Catherine. So certain documents that we would ordinarily think about, uh, DNRs and so forth, those are really, really important conversations to have with family members at all ages. Because as I say, I don't think this is a one-size-fits-all time. That's a great place to end. Barbara Newman-Mannix, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogues. It's a pleasure to have you again. Thank you so much. My best to you and your family, staying well and safe, and I hope to see you soon in the real life. Thank you. Same to you.